We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. College Football Live is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's a Thursday edition of College Football Live. Hello, everybody. I'm Wendy Nix with Sam Acho and EJ Manuel. Ames, Iowa, the place to be this weekend. It is Iowa versus Iowa State with more than bragging rights on the line. For the first time in this series, both of these teams are ranked. Over the last 10 years, the Cyhawk series has given us some thrillers. 2011, James White's four-yard touchdown run in triple overtime lifted Iowa State past Iowa. In 2014, the Cyclones rallied from a 14-3 deficit. What would happen? A 2017 win with Cole Netton kicking a game-winning 42-yard field goal with just two seconds remaining in this one. Three years later, not to be outdone, it was the Hawkeyes who came from behind. They forced overtime with Nathan Stanley connected with Amir Smith-Marquette for the game-winning touchdown pass. And in their last meeting, Iowa trailed 14-6 in the third quarter, but a Keith Duncan field goal with just 4.51 on the clock put the Hawkeyes ahead, and they held on for a one-point win, 18-17. And just a reminder, this game not played last season because of COVID. So we take a look at the Dr. Pepper Championship Drive Game of the Week preview. Iowa and Iowa State will be meeting for the 68th time. 68 times, and yet this is the first time both teams are ranked. The Hawkeyes lead the all-time series. They have won the last five. Game day will be there, Ames, Iowa, the epicenter of college football, fellas, over the weekend. So let's look at this from an offense and defensive perspective. EJ, I'll start with you. When you look at the offenses of these two teams, which team has the advantage and why? Well, Wendy and Sam, I'm going with the Cyclones, mainly because Brock Purdy and the fact that he has weapons. You talk about Brees Hall, a guy that rushed for over 1,500 yards last year, averaged about five yards per carry. Yes, he did have somewhat of a slow start versus Northern Iowa, but I think he's going to pick it up versus this Hawkeye defense. Now, they have two receivers that are really special to me, one being uh, Xavier Hutchinson. He's six foot three, one of those guys that can take the top off a of defense, whether he's running a post route, a go route, uh, a guy that can certainly stretch the DBs. And Sam, I know you're going to talk about those DBs, for Iowa because they have some really great ones, but also another receiver, Tariq Milton. He's finally healthy, guys. In, 19, in 2019, uh, he was a player that had over uh, five to six 40-plus yard receptions. So I think if he can bring that back, that type of production back to this offense this year, they should have a good chance to take down the, uh, the Hawkeyes. All right, Sam, we will let you talk about that defense. I'll ask you the same question. Break down the defenses of these two, teams, these two teams, if I can talk, and tell me which one has the advantage. 
Yeah, well, I got to go Iowa for defense. And EJ, I hear all your points. Brees Hall is phenomenal. Over five yards per rush last year. But week one, he only averaged three. And this Iowa defense is phenomenal. Let's start with Riley Moss. Riley Moss had not one, but two pick sixes in the game last week. Iowa State DB. That's as much as he had last year. That's also more than a lot of people wish they could have in an entire season. So you got Riley Moss leading that defense. And yes, I understand. Iowa State has some dogs on defense. Iowa State's got a dude named Mike Rose who plays linebacker who's phenomenal but if you get not only two pick sixes pick, pick sixes but another interception that Iowa defense is a ball hawking defense no pun intended uh, and that's why I think that Iowa has the 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 advantage defensively no pun intended, but pun well taken, nevertheless. I'll hold off on asking you two who's going to win this game. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, what's interesting, though, is when it comes to rivalries, it is possible that these two teams are one of college football's best-kept secrets. But when you look a little farther, it turns out they may have one of college football's best-kept trophy secrets as well. It's one of the great rivalries in all of college football. So much bad blood. Into the end zone, touchdown! God bless the Cyclones and the Hawkeyes. You'll be remembered forever what you did in those games, but you will always be remembered if you were part of a team that won that Cy Hawk trophy. Time out. For nearly half the 20th century, from 1935 through 1976, there was no game between Iowa State and Iowa, and there definitely wasn't a trophy, until Bob Utes came along. Late fall, early winter of 76, uh, I was driving with my family, and we were talking about the game coming next year. I said there ought to be a trophy for this game, and my oldest son, who was 10 at the time, said, why don't you do it? Utes and his bowling league buddies each chipped in $50 to pay for the $500 trophy and the cost of creating the Greater Des Moines Athletic Club. I didn't actually see a Greater Des Moines Athletic Club. Mm -hmm. Where is it located? In our hearts and minds and, and in a filing over at the state capitol under corporations. The original one looked like somebody did it in the basement <laughs> after a long uh, day of maybe uh, tailgating it. People have said it looks like a bowling trophy. It was created by a bunch of bowling buddies. I think it's awesome. I think it's because it's like it's barbaric, you know. It's just like it's like two teams fighting over like a piece of meat. With the blessings of the governor of Iowa, the first ever Cyhawk Trophy made its debut at the hypercharged 1977 game. Resuming a rivalry and long overdue. People came in off their tractors out of the fields. People came in and watched a game on TV or listened to the game on the radio while they're in their combines. Dan McCarney, a former Iowa lineman born and raised in Iowa City, was on the sideline as a Hawkeyes part-time assistant coach. The hair was standing up on the back of my neck anyway. And Earl Bruce came over from Iowa State and he brought his team out there with beat Iowa jerseys on. It was nuts leading up to that game and it's been nuts ever since. Iowa dominated the series until 1998 when McCarney, by then the Iowa State head coach, broke the Hawkeyes' 15-game win streak with a stunning upset. Iowa State not only upsetting Iowa, but dominating. I brought that trophy home. I woke up the next day, I grabbed that thing, and I, I had a big glassed-in shower, and I was taking a shower, and I brought that trophy into the bathroom. I had to get another look at it. 
The original Cyhawk trophy was used until 2011, when a new corporate sponsor unveiled a new trophy. We like to joke that the Pewter family, as it became dubbed in social media, is in witness protection somewhere off in Nebraska, perhaps. As a player, I don't know if I'd be like, be too excited to run over and pick a trophy like that up. There might have been somebody that was um, on some Quaaludes or LSD or something that designed that whole thing. The trophy never made an appearance in the game. What we had to do quickly uh, was to create an interim trophy. The worst part of that is, is that it broke uh, in the middle of the field. The current trophy has been featured since 2012. The original still belongs to the fictitious Greater Des Moines Athletic Club and to those who remember simpler times. We were just a bunch of guys who thought this was a good idea, uh, the series should be played forever and ever, and we were trying to come up with something that looked like a football trophy. To know that we had something to do with this series, it's beyond belief. I love that idea. And you know what? They did come up with a trophy that's lasted, the, that's made it for the duration. Sam, I hesitate to even ask you this because I, I sort of know the answer, but uh, if you had to pick a, a rivalry trophy, uh, just one, your favorite, what would it be? Yeah, well, it's got to be the Red River rivalry, right? The Texas OU game, because it's got that golden hat. And as you can see, your boy, this. Sam Macho, rocking the golden <laughs> hat. I had to get a cameo in there somehow, <laughs> some way. Have the cheesy smile. Shout out to the shout out to the cheesy smile. But I did I did rock the hat. So I think, I mean, just talk about rivalries. The Cotton Bowl, Red River rivalry, Texas OU, Border State. So for me, that's got to be the one. Yeah, Sam, I'm right you there know what? with I you. Can, uh, I don't naturally, like I wanted I to like pick. It, but I can't stand Red River rivalry. You can't say it. I mean, it's so hard to say, but EJ, go ahead. Sorry about that. Red River rivalry. There we go. I just had to say it super slow, but Sam, I'm right there with you. Naturally, I wanted to go with my alma mater, Florida State versus Miami or Florida, uh, but I'm going with Paul Bunyan's axe, okay? You got the matchup between Wisconsin and Minnesota. I think this game is so special. It dates all the way back to 1890, guys. Now, I don't think they were able to play it because of COVID last year, but you look at a great matchup with quarterbacks, Tanner Morgan versus Graham Mertz. I think both teams will obviously bring a great defense and what we saw from week one. Uh, and granted, they did both start with losses this season, but I still think this is one of the most prized rivalries, especially a trophy in college football. You know, there's so many things I'm glad are back after last season with COVID and all we had to deal with, but I think these rivalry games are at the top of the list. I mean, they were missed. It just did not feel the same without them. So I'm glad to have them back. And back they are again. Ames, Iowa College Game Day will be there. Iowa, Iowa State. And for the first time, these two teams are both ranked. Speaking of ranked, they're still at the top. But don't, don't take my word for it. And you're not going to like Coach Saban's word either. He's not ready to celebrate. Not, not by a long shot. Here's what he said after game one. You know, all that stuff you write about how good we are and all that stuff they hear on ESPN, it's like poison. You know what I mean? It's like taking poison. Like rat poison. College Football Live is presented by Delicious Ice Cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, 
What will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. A leaked tape that led to one of the biggest scandals in sports and changed the NBA forever. A podcast that unearthed it all. This is just like what 2014 was mm-hmm. like. Like, there's yeah. a lot of wild stuff happening. And now, a Hulu docudrama. TMZ was calling again and again and saying, we have a tape, do you want to comment? 30 for 30 Podcasts presents The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clips. We reshot the scene, and I could barely watch it because it was so uncomfortable. It was tough. A companion podcast to the FX drama inspired by the award-winning reporting of Ramona Shelburne, one of ESPN's top NBA reporters an L.A. native and someone who has been following the story from the moment it broke. Join Ramona as she sits down with the cast and crew of the show in spoiler-filled conversations and behind-the-scenes reaction to each episode. Man, this is crazy, but these people live these lives every day. Donald Sterling, this was his lifestyle for a long time. Listen to The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clipped wherever you get your podcasts. They came to play Memphis in their season opener, but the Nichols football program had to stay put, displaced because of Hurricane Ida with damage to their campus and a loss of power. They had nowhere to go. The Memphis community has reached out, kept them fed and lodging as they get ready to play again this weekend. We're joined now by Nichols head coach Tim Rebo. And coach, uh, listen, the question is a simple one. What have these last few weeks been like for your football program? Well, I think the first thing, let everybody know we're okay, we're safe. Uh, our kids are doing a tremendous job handling the situation. It was tough. We had to get out of town uh, early. We came up and, and you know, we, we didn't have communication. It was tough to get our players on Monday after. So Tuesday, when we finally got it, we said, hey, meet us at the field house on Wednesday. We're getting on a bus. Uh, we're heading to Memphis. So uh, we've been making the best of it so far. And you've been there since then. You play the game, and now you've stayed. You have a game this weekend coming up against Louisiana coach, and then it begs the question, obviously, you play over the weekend, and then what? Well, that's we, we've been in negotiations. Our, our administration, Jonathan Terrell, our athletic director, our president, Dr. Jay Klune, uh, we're trying to figure out what we're going to do after the game. The power is slowly coming back in parts of Lafourche Parish, but I don't know if it'll be on after the game. So really today, as of Thursday, we're kind of playing it by ear what we're going to do after the game. So, so just to be clear, so everybody understands, you will take the field, you will play a game, and then you truly don't know what's next. Well, we, we, ha- we have a bunch of good people who's offering a lot of services to us. Uh, the possibility is we may stay in Lafayette at night or we may drive back to Thibodeau. The good thing, uh, if there's a silver lining in this, when we get back home, we, we don't have a we don't play a game the next week. So uh, we, we can try to get home, get our players safe, and regroup and see when we're going to open campus back up. Well, Coach, certainly a message to your players about resilience, about figuring things out. We wish you luck this weekend. And we also want to tell folks if you want to donate, because, again, these guys got to eat. They got to find somewhere to sleep. Uh, you can donate to the Hurricane Relief Fund. You can find that at nichols.edu slash hurricane relief. Coach, best of luck this weekend. And, of course, stay safe in the rest of the season. All right. Thank you, Wendy. Appreciate it. Time for our weekend wake-up, brought to you by Wendy's Breakfast. Top-ranked Alabama host Mercer on Saturday. A chance to extend its record streak of wins against unranked opponents to 99 straight games, closing in on 100. But as you might imagine, 
heard him earlier from a few seasons ago. Nick Saban ready to celebrate nothing just yet. We basically played one half of one game. All right, we went ahead 27-0 in the game, and then it was basically 17-16 after that with two stops inside the five-yard line. We didn't maintain our intensity in the game, so we were affected by the scoreboard. So we haven't proven that we can play for 60 minutes. Then we come out on Monday and really not ready to practice, uh, I guess because of respect we have for the opponent. I don't really know all that, or maybe it's what they read on social media or in the media or whatever after one half of a game this season. And, um, you know, then it was hot yesterday. So, you know, so we got every external factor in the world uh, that is affecting our ability to maintain intensity uh, and play the way we need to play and practice the way we need to practice to improve. Sam, you know what? We, we used to play this game with Bill Belichick where we'd, we'd, take a, we'd play a soundbite and you had to guess whether the Patriots won or lost. Because you honestly couldn't tell. I mean, they won that game, all right? They won that game pretty handily. And yet Nick Saban is clearly sending a message to his team. What's he saying? Yeah, well, I love it. Well, this is the reason, like, people got to understand, like, this is what football is all about, winning football. There's a reason why Alabama has had 44 first-round picks under Nick Saban and 41 first-round picks since the year 2000. There's a reason they had six first-round picks last year. It's not because their players are just better. There are tons of talented players across the NFL, across high school, and across college. But the difference between Nick Saban and many other coaches is that Nick Saban won't allow them to play down to their opponent, no matter who they're playing, Nick Saban's going to say, we have to get better every single day. And so when these players that Nick Saban coach go to the NFL, they're already NFL ready from a physical standpoint and an and a mental standpoint. Sam, you're, you're absolutely right. You talk about an Alabama football team that there really is hard to find a weakness. I can't see one, guys. And maybe the weakness is us, the media, because we always talk about how great they are and what they can do and what they you know, bring to the table every Saturday. Uh, you're exactly right. I think when you look at this team, Coach Saban is going to try to make sure these guys still have that sense of urgency, that same hunger, that same dog in them that they have versus Miami, even though they're playing an inferior opponent in Mercer. I just love some of the tidbits because it actually takes me back to when I was in college myself and Jimbo would do the same thing. And we all know Jimbo comes from that saving tree. So uh, I love what Coach Saban is doing. His team is definitely going to respond and go out there and handle their business. Well, listen, he has no choice because we asked the question yesterday, a bit premature, I might add, but still, you know, is this Alabama team as good or better than it was last year? That's the kind of talk you get when you play at Alabama because they often are, and he obviously has to guard against that. Now, Alabama notwithstanding, they beat Miami, they get the job done, they move on to Mercer. There were, however, some notable week one disappointments. The top of the list, Clemson held to just three points by the Georgia Bulldogs. The ACC having a poor showing overall, and Washington fell out of the rankings after losing to Montana. That was probably, I would argue, the biggest upset of the weekend. And they, that was at home, by the way, EJ. Uh, just not a good showing at all. So uh, when you look at week two, because uh, we had 0-1-2, when you look at week two, uh, if you had to pick a team that you most want to see some improvement from, who is it? 
Yeah, Wendy, it's going to be Clemson. Uh, when you saw DJ go up against the Georgia defense, and yes, the Georgia defense is talented. They have a great defensive line. The secondary for Georgia is going to be great all season long, but what Georgia did, they mixed up the coverages, and DJ just wasn't exactly ready and prepared for the coverages that were thrown at him. When he thought it was man, it ended up being zone. When he thought it was zone, it ended up being man. And every young quarterback goes through this, guys. Let's remember, this is still his third start in his career, and he's taken over for an excellent quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. So the other part, guys, they only had two yards rushing in the entire game. You're talking about a Clemson football team that gets five-star after five-star at pretty much every position. So that's the most shocking part. They have to get that run game going to help out a young quarterback in DJU, and I think he'll get it fixed, obviously, versus South Carolina State this weekend. Yeah, and I want to see the vaunted Oklahoma defense that everyone's talking about. They've been saying, man, this is Alex Grinch's third-year coordinator, and they've gotten better year after year after year. I was at Big 12 Media Day listening to Lincoln Riley talk about how much bigger and faster and stronger our defense looks. And then you turn the film on, and the defense looked the same, right? Like, I'm not worried about Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler's <laughs> going to get it figured out. He threw a bad interception. But the defense looked the same. Like, if you just watch the tape, uh, Tulane was running through them. Like, I'll be running through the same. They were running all over Oklahoma's defense. And so I want to see a huge improvement if Oklahoma not wants to win the Big 12. Yes, they've won the Big 12 the last six years. I'm talking about winning in the playoff. I'm talking about the talk that people say, man, they're going to go and, and, and win it all. If you got to win it all, you got to play defense. Well, Sam, you're right. You're right. Listen, you know, we talked about them winning that that conference, their division. They've done that, but they, they get, they, it's time for them to show they can do it on the on the next stage. They got bigger aspirations right now, uh, and to do that, you're right. As they say, defense wins championships. It is another fantastic week of college football. As if week one uh, wasn't good enough, it certainly did not disappoint. Take a look at our schedule. Uh, Sunday, Saturday afternoon, our ABC football triple header highlighted by. We talked about it before, Iowa at Iowa State. That's a 4.30 Eastern kickoff. And then we'll take you to the big house in Ann Arbor for our Saturday night matchup presented by Capital One. The Wolverines host Washington. We already told you they got a bounce back. And you can always watch games on the ESPN app. One app, one tap. Coming up, there were some great performances in week one. And more than a few made Sam go at your mind. He'll tell you who they are coming up. College Football Live. You're watching College Football Live. Presented by Dr. Pepper. College Football Live is presented by Delicious Ice Cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. Time now for this week's top performance presented by Invesco QQQ. It goes to Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral. Helped the Rebels over Louisville 43-24 Monday night despite the absence of head coach Lane Kiffin. Corral finished the game with 381 yards, one touchdown, and the biggest note perhaps, no interceptions. All right, Sam Acho, who made you go Acho mind in week one? Yeah, so there were three players while I was watching. I was like, man, this dude was playing out your mind. And player number one has got to be Zed <laughs> Nolan. I'm not going to give you his government name, but it's pretty phenomenal. Go look it up. He threw for four in his first five drives. Five, 
four touchdowns and a field goal. Yes, there was two, two drives that didn't end up in scores, but I mean, think about that. That's the second most points that this team has scored since September 7th of 2019. He was a grad assistant, and yes, we understand he played quarterback, he got the COVID year, but I'm telling you, man, like that was a phenomenal, he played out your mind. Player number two, Christopher Smith. This dude is a baller. Watch his pick, he jumped the route, pick six, that was the game ceiling interception. So once again, like I, thought, I watched his play, he watched film, he studied film, if you listen to his post-game interview, he said, man, I, I played this play, I studied this play, I baited the quarterback into this play, pick six, that was the only score of the game, that was the game-winning play. And player number three, we talked about him a little bit earlier, but this dude's name is Michael Pratt. Out show mine, I was watching this dude, like he, he, he carved up the Oklahoma defense, 296 passing yards. Three touchdowns, no interceptions against a team that could go and win a national championship. He was a half yard away from going and leading that team to victory. So those three players, they play out show mine, and that's what I love to watch. <laughs> I love it. We can still be friends because you got the Gamecock quarterback on that list. If you didn't, I don't know. All right, you got one one second. <laughs> Iowa, Iowa State. EJ, give me a name. I'm going Iowa State. Iowa. Sam? 